0: Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report NBA podcast. I'm one of your hosts as always Eric Spropolis. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. This is a special edition. We are recording on a Saturday which we've never done before. Um, That's mainly due to the weird scheduling with the holiday. You know we have Christmas on Monday and New Year's um, on this Monday. Um, So scheduling has gotten a little bit complicated. So we're gonna we decided it's the end of 2017. So we're gonna do a, a season in review special episode today. It's only focused on the 2017-2018 season so far, but we're gonna run through some categories, have a little bit of fun with it, kind of review the season. A season that's, you know, pretty much three months in so far. So we we have a pretty good idea of who the teams are, which players have improved, you know, which teams have disappointed and stuff like that. So we'll go through those categories as well. And I wanna remind you, we're still brought to you by draft. Use promo code 94FEET when you sign up with Draft, um, and you get a free entry into a paid contest with your first deposit. Um, I've been loving Draft. It's a fun, unique way to play Daily Fantasy. It gets you really engaged and really interested in in some of these random MPA games, which I think is really fun. On a random, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday night, you pull up League Pass because you got Tyreek Evans in your draft lineup, and you're watching uh, Grizzlies Lakers, and you want to see what Tyreek Evans does. So I think it's fun. Use promo code 94FEET, all caps, to get free entry into a paid contest with your first deposit enough rambling let's get corbin on corbin how are you doing today
1: hey pretty good man pretty good like you said holidays have been crazy but glad to get started on this and you know do a fun little um season interview kind of pod kind of interesting outlook here you know
0: yeah and so this is a mix so we're not we don't we're not doing our usual six segmented show but we we have prepared you know some kind of notes but they're really not in detail we're trying to we're trying to still trying to keep that free-flowing and fun kind of style that we u- we usually have in our later in the week episodes so we're not going to bog you down with some crazy stats but we're going to have a little bit of stats just to kind of back up you know our, our winners in these categories and how it's going to set up uh, is one of us will introduce uh, a category and we've got nine categories and uh, then that person will kind of throw out the potential options or choices and then we'll throw it to the other person to pick their winner and then we'll throw it back for the other person to pick their winner and we'll go back and forth like that so with that being said let's start off with we're going to start off on the team side so we'll start off with most impressive team so far just on the 2017-18 season so here's some potential options that i came up with for most impressive team of the year i've got the Boston Celtics, who are first in the East, even with losing Gordon Hayward in the first quarter of their first game, um, and you can throw in the fact that they have, they have had the best defense in the league for the majority of the season, um, using that to win a lot of games. They've had a lot of games played the most in the league as well, and they're still holding up pretty well, and the fact that they're doing it with Gordon Hayward, who I think is, is arguably their best player, if not their second best player, a close second they're doing all that without him that's that's the first option the indiana pacers who have fallen off recently i think they've lost three or three or four in a row uh, but really just the most impressive aspect of them is one they have the seventh ranked offense and two just the the rise of victor oladipo and other guys like damonis sabonis i mean but it's really oladipo who could very well become an all-star starter really um but it's certainly going to make the All Star game. Certainly the front runner for Most Improved Player of the Year. So I think that the fact that he's improved with Sabonis as well, and the fact that they have a, a, an elite offense, and they're still comfortably in the playoff picture in the East, that's very impressive to me. Staying in the East again, a lot of East teams here. Um, Detroit Pistons. I think they've been, you know, hit or miss recently, and they've been dealing with some injuries. Reggie Jackson just went down. Uh, avery bradley's missed the past you know week or two um but they've had some really quality wins if you remember you go back they won that back-to-back against the clippers and the warriors in la um when the clippers were healthy um they went into oklahoma city and beat the thunder um they've had some really impressive wins and i think that the fact that they're doing this well the team that most people predicted to maybe make the ac is really impressive in, in my opinion Again, all of these teams actually are in the East, if you think about it. Um, Toronto Raptors, I think the fact that they've changed, you know, they spoke in the offseason, Dwayne Casey spoke about, you know, hey, we've got to change our offensive system, we've got to have more ball movement, shoot more three-pointers, and the fact that they're actually doing it and it's actually, you know, hasn't really hurt them in terms of, you know, dropping a couple games while they change to this kind of new system and and playing style, I think it's really impressive. Again, we've seen the Raptors win 50 games in a season multiple times recently, especially with this kind of Lowry-DeRozan core, but the fact that they've actually changed their offensive system to give you more hope that they can do it in the playoffs, I think is very impressive as well. And finally, I added a a, a late late second, um, last minute kind of addition to the options list, and that's the Chicago (laughs) Bulls, because just recently, they have... They have been the best team in the league record wise recently. They they were at 3 and 20 a couple of weeks ago and now in Nikola Miraitich comes back and now all of a sudden they're 13 and 22. I mean, what an incredible turnaround from the Bulls. And, you know, you could say it's hurting them in the long run, but right now in the short run, they've been one of the best teams in the league over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, they're just playing really good basketball. So I think that's really impressive that when you're 3-20, and 20, it's like, oh, you know, this season's lost. But they get Miritich back, and, you know, Miritich is a good player, but no one expects him to go on this kind of insane run. So for that reason, those are the options I have. No team in the West. So if you want to throw out a West team, by all means, go ahead. But who do you think is the most impressive team of this season so far?
1: You know, I'm right with the fact that most of these impressive teams are on the East. I don't really have a Western team, and I'm like, wow, you know, you've really done better than I thought. So I'm right there with you on the Eastern Conference. With that being said, I'm – the way that they have overhauled their offense, and I was one of the many – um, I want to say detra- detractors. I didn't think it was going to work well. I thought that DeRozan was kind of – who is you know, a range shooter who takes a lot of shot attempts. You know, he moves the ball some. He averages like four assists a game, but – He's pretty wide in who he is, and Larry, the same kind of player, who it will turn on you. Know, it's these down come playoff time. Verdict is still on playoff time, but the fact that all the players have bought into Coach Casey's philosophy and really changed that style and become a more um, egalitarian, open offense, with and have really embraced it is is something to be admired. And also the fact that they are a, a league bet thirteen and one at home. They're sitting second in the Eastern Conference at 24-10. They would play style while taking nothing away in the win-loss column. And that, to me, has been most impressive on their end. Indiana also gets some points for me because, I'm sorry, with that roster, I mean, no one saw – I mean, not no one. Saw, you know, I didn't see seventh best offense coming out of that. Victor Lodiba has really just stepped up another few gears. And you're right, he could be an all-star starter and uh most improved player. In fact, I think he's number one at – it's probably gunning for that um, most improved player as much as he is. So, so that's one. And Boston, too. Boston improved not only because they've weathered the loss of their number, like you said, number one, but they're also still at the top of the stands at 29 and 10. This is without, with injuries to Hayward, to Jalen Brown. Um, Kyrie's been a little more inefficient. He's been pretty much the same player Cleveland that big a load. Jason Tatum's been impressive, you know, and, and Marcus Smart, even with the flopping he did against Houston. I wasn't a fan of that stuff, but anyway, um, Boston's Boston's really been good, but Africa, gonna have, you don't make a move as big as they have offensively, just overhauling their whole system while taking nothing away from wins and losses and being second in standings as they are, and who knows, at this point in time, you know, they third at home, you know, in their last ten, they're seven and three. That that's impressive. So they they get my nomination.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, I, I almost want to give points to almost every team here. Um, I think I think I'm I'm gonna go with the Celtics overall, with the Raptors close second. I, I do agree that changing an offensive system as much as they have, um, and having it not sacrificing the in the win loss record, um, and also just it's just they first of all they're more fun to watch. Th- they're playing this way, and they've had some other guys step up. You know, OG Anunoby has been really impressive off the. Uh, you know, he's actually been starting a lot recently. Um, he's shown some really good three and D potential and looks like a great draft pick in the in the mid twenties for the Raptors there. Um, but if you're talking about rookies and the Sixers aren't on this list because I think they've been relatively disappointing for most people, but. We've obviously got Ben Simmons, and we'll talk about rookies later in our storylines of the, of, the, of the season so far category, but you have to talk about Jason Tatum, and, and not only Tatum, who's been incredible. I mean, he's, I think he's leading the league in three-point percentage still, um, putting up almost 15 points a game, but it's not only him, it's the other young guys. Jalen Brown, before he, he's been injured recently, has been really good stepping up for them. Marcus Smart, who is terrible offensively in terms of his shooting and really can kill an offense, but his defensive ability, his just awareness, his hustle, you know that kind of Patrick Beverly mindset has been huge for them and and you mentioned you know Kyrie Irving has kind of been the same player you know he started off the season extremely well people were like oh is this a new Kyrie he's better defensively blah 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 well you know that stopped after a couple weeks and you know Al Horford was really good to start the season he's been struggling a little bit recently but he was great to start you know the first two months of the season as well and you look at the other collection of these guys that they're playing like Daniel Tice and uh uh, uh, Semi ojolay and and you know you you look at these this roster. Aaron Baines has played key minutes and I love Baines, but you look at them you're like, how has this team won this many games and, and number one in the conference? I mean they've got good players that are you know really limited in, in specific areas of the game. You know, m- mostly one sided, um, and yet they still rack off wins because they're extremely well coached great defense and they have enough offensive pieces including Kyrie Irving to win games when they need it in crunch time I think that's the most impressive part but I agree that for the Raptors have also been really impressive I think the Celtics having the best record in the East after such a significant injury in such a in the first quarter of their first game it wasn't like Hayward like it was a a kind of a traumatizing injury when they saw his ankle like that and then I think that the fact that they recovered they won 16 straight I mean all that being said I think the Celtics. Are the most impressive team in my opinion and you know i hate to do this i hate to jump from most impressive and being really happy and positive to going to most disappointing but you know we've got to talk about the other (laughs) side of the coin here and there aren't as many teams that i've put in this most disappointing category though there are some clear clear disappointing teams and i'm sticking in the east and it's the charlotte hornets now I guess maybe for some who didn't expect the Hornets to make the playoffs, they, they might not be as disappointing as you expected, but a lot of people, including myself, had them to make the playoffs, I picked them to make the playoffs before the season started, and to see them at 13-22, and 22, um, and I know it's funny because just last night they beat the Warriors in, in, in uh, Oakland, um, they actually a really good game <laughs> dwight howard was a monster and they actually won um in golden state which is <laughs> shocking but they're still 13 and 22 they have the 19th ranked offense and 14th ranked defense and steve clifford has missed time a lot of time you know personal reasons you know when kemba walker goes off the floor the hornets are i think they have like the net rating of the worst entire team in the league um so they rely on him a lot dwight's been good but you know at this point in his career dwight being a, a focal point of your offense getting post-ups is not a good idea um They've had other injuries, Batum just came back recently, um, you know, Cody Zeller's been out for a lot of the season, you know, they've got some players here, it's just like Marvin Williams, you know, is like, is good, but not really, you know, doesn't really uh, scare opponents, so the fact that they're 13-22, and 22, when I expected them to make the playoffs, that leads them as an option for most disappointing team. Finally, our first West team, the Memphis Grizzlies being 11-24, and 24, being one of the worst teams in the league. Is is disappointing, and obviously Mike Conley's missed the majority of the season, and they fired David Fisdale you know, a couple weeks in, and everyone thought that was a bad move, and we've talked about that enough on the show. Um, but the the twenty seventh ranked offense is abysmal, and they don't even have that defense that we you know we know and love from the Grizzlies. They're eighteenth this season, and Gasol's been pouting, and he's made some public comments about the franchise, and they're not going to rebuild, even though everyone thinks they should rebuild and at least try and trade one of them. Disappointing to see the Grizzlies fall so far so fast and finally the thunder who i they're not really disappointing anymore they've been really stepping it up recently but for the first two months of the season you know they were very disappointing you know hovering around 500 but for the most part under 500 the 15th ranked offense i think most people would have expected that to be better with you know two and a half great offensive players like the half is Carmelo Anthony at this point um, but the third ranked defense is really elite but just the fact that it's just been, it's been so it was so ugly in the first two months of them trying to figure it out and now it's getting better Carmelo's taking a smaller role Russ is looking more like the MVP Russ from last season but I still have him as a most disappointing team for at least the first two months so out of those three or maybe another option you have yourself who do you think is, is most disappointing so far this season
1: I think for me it, it, it's rough because man, I've I've had bone pick with them since they let go of David Fista. I think you've heard in several of my podcasts I've taken a, a very irrational yet staunch stance on it and the way they've been playing is not um they softened my opinion of them. I get that they've weathered a lot of injury reach, especially to Mike Conley, who's their main player. But Tyreek Evans has been playing well, and Marcus Shaw has been having a a, a solid yet down I'm point on him because of the leadership standpoint. You know, and when when you are in a slide like this, I don't need to hear you going to um, reporters. You know, taking them aside, as he did a couple of weeks ago. Hey, thirty two, about to be thirty three. I can't throw the season away blah 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 like let your talk be on the court you know what i mean and having watched a couple of their games in depth he has had some some really solid games but he's also had games where he's really passive and really lets Terry Evans, who's having a career year take over and so for me i, I don't know i i, I want to say they're more di- the most disappointing because of how they've been playing but if honestly, my expectations weren't super high for them i figured they'd be fighting for the eighth seed in the West and I figured this might be the first year they missed the playoffs entirely on that side in like seven, eight years so I can't really get too mad about them Charlotte this actually having a nice little debate with you going hey you know Charlotte's not the disappointment man they're just going through some injuries right now they'll pick it up they'll get together you know fast forward two weeks you know 7-14 the conference then 10 at home 3-12 on the road last night's great win notwithstanding they've been pretty rough and like you said when as soon as kemba walker gets off the floor the team doesn't seem to know what to do i was looking at a set on cleaning the glass it was talking about this one set that they go to offensively that that really works and yet when he's off the floor it seems like and and also it's helped by the defense changing the attention on them but it's they don't know what to do and you know, you can't have a team so reliant on a Campbell Walker who has to do so much. And you know, we don't talk about a lot, but he, he is kind of injury prone. Not 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 common level, but he's injury prone. And also Dwight Howard, who is 12, 13th year. We're still playing the game of oh, let's give it to him in the post and let him go to work. You know, even though he has a, developed this face-up jumper, which he um, deployed to great effect against the Warriors was giddy watching that, but uh, rambling aside, I'm going to have to say Charlotte Um, I figured they'd make some more noise in the Eastern Conference, I actually had them penciling in as a 7th, 8th seed um, in the East, right now, you know, they're 12 Um, they can playing at this 37% win pace, they're probably going to just stay on the bottom um, half of the Eastern Conference, and I actually had real expectations for them, which is different than what I had for Memphis, so um, I don't I don't know, man, I love Charlotte I do, and I like um, the coaching they've had with Steve Clifford and, and Stephen Silas stepping in and really being more adaptable, in my opinion. But with the personnel they have, just not playing up to standards, and their over reliance on player as and also their record. I just I have to say, Charlotte, you
0: pretty much took everything that I wanted to say. I have to agree with you. I mean, I. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, it's perfect. I mean, we have, we have share the same thoughts. I mean, we both we both were pretty in agreement about the Grizzlies coming into the season. I just didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I mean, I thought they'd be a ninth, maybe 10th seed, and obviously I didn't expect this, but this is not... For the Hornets, I had them as like a 6th seed. I had them comfortably in the playoff spot, and they are very close to the Grizzlies in record. So, in terms of when 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 looking at it from the expectations I had for these teams coming to the season, the Hornets are more disappointing for me and, and the fact that, you know, Marco Carter Williams has been just abysmal and that's a key reason why when Kemba's off the floor and, and Carter Williams comes in, they're just a terrible they just a terrible team. Um but relying on Kemba Walker so much and when he goes down and Kemba Walker's a great player and you know maybe the rec maybe the team's record will hold him away from being an all-star again but he I mean his importance for that team is clear um and then Dwight Howard you know you take the good and the bad with Dwight really and sometimes you know some nights it's really bad a lot of turnovers and you know poor post-ups that just result in in bad inefficient offense and then sometimes you get the good nights like last night against the Warriors but for me because of expectations coming in I'm going to go with the Hornets um and let's go through two quick categories I think that won't warrant as much discussion but let's go to best game of the season so far and i've got four that came to the top of my head but it's kind of hard to remember a lot of really great games so if you have any that i forgot please feel free to throw it in but i've listed these four as potential best games of the year so rockets warriors on opening night went down to the wire really went down to kevin durant by point oh two seconds missing uh being late on that jumper to win the game celtics warriors from that uh thursday night it was in november i believe um that was a great game that the Celtics actually came back at home against the Warriors then Christmas Day we had two options I think Celtics Wizards and or Rockets Thunder on Christmas Day were both great games that came down to the stretch Um, and then I think that I think I'm just going to share my winner right now I think Wolves Thunder it was like the first two weeks of the season or sometime very early in the season but we had that Carmelo Anthony hits a shot the Wolves have no timeout they inbound it Carl Anthony Towns sets that controversial kind of illegal screen Wiggins basically almost from half court banks in a three to win the game in Oklahoma City that's my winner for game of the year so far um, Wolves Thunder do you have any more options or you can pick from that that crew
1: you know it's funny you assembled a, a great cast of games that, that I, something, like I said the Wolves Thunder I had, almost completely forgot about. And that game was one that was like, oh, my goodness. It went down to the wire. But I have a game from this past December. Um, the You know, both teams 14 and 14, Thunder versus 76ers, the three-overtime game where Oklahoma availed 119-17. I don't know. For me, that game has to be up there, not even for the three overtimes, but you just had tremendous performances down the stretch, even as they were, you know, team start back for with 34 points eight rebounds six assists you had um russell westbrook with 27 points 17 rebounds 15 assists carmelo anthony and paul george came through with 24 points apiece and like i said it went down to the wire you had a a controversial call midway through i think it was the end of the first overtime where westbrook found andre robinson cutting baseline like to the basket he got fouled couldn't convert the layup you know it didn't really matter and then that went to one of the extra overtimes. But in the end, Patrick Patterson, who only had two points, one rebound, two assists, probably made one of the biggest plays of the game where he went through a switch and blocked a J.J. Redick um, jump and winning six to really close that deal out for the Thunder. So I had to put that game up there, too, just because I remember watching and going, wow, I did not see this game going to three overtimes. And it was it was exciting. It had its sloppy moments, so you know I think that was the most minister well and be had played in this career up to that point Um, trying to see right now. He played 49 minutes like it was a crazy game And it, it wasn't really well executed down the stretch, but to have that tension that drama three overtimes, times you in know, In the middle of a December game that we thought would have been a good one But not the star of the slate of games that night that to me um, Is up there having said that I uh, it's rough because that wolves thunder game was very good very yeah. good but you know what just just for uh, just for the sake of being different i'm going to go with thunder 76ers game it, it was one of those games you know it's like most of these games really but you kind of have a set of games that you go oh wow these are going to be a good game you know if i see warriors thunder or i see warriors um warriors thunder warriors thunder or warriors rockets or cavs celtics or something i'm looking at a game in my opinion. but when you see a game, sometimes thunder and 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 um the 76ers were intriguing, but I didn't see such a tight game down the stretch where you had, you know, Carmelo Anthony, John, with Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid, you know, you know, Russell Westbrook just relentlessly attacking. And I think he had a crazy dunk midway through that second overtime. I, I think I've talked myself into taking the Thunder 76ers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually, I don't know how I forgot about that game, but, you know, the short-sighted memory, I guess, <laughs> cost me on that one. But uh, I think that... That's definitely a <laughs> no. great choice, and honestly I probably would go with that one too, but I'm going to stick with Wolves Thunder. I think that just the, the – the, I know that the the three overtimes was great. I think that the fact that Wolves Thunder – it was only a regulation game, but the fact that Melo hits the shot and there's about three seconds left and the Wolves have no timeouts and they don't know how to inbound it. And all the action and all the suspense and drama happened because there was no timeout to kind of – you Know, calm things down. They had to inbound the ball right then with no timeout, so they had to just throw it up there. And, and the fact that they won in Oklahoma City after Mello hit a shot, and everyone's like, Oh, the Thunder are gonna win, Mello hits the game winner, and then all of a sudden Wiggins crushes their soul with a, a three from a banked in three from almost half court. I'm gonna stick with Wolves Thunder for, for best game of the season so far, but I'm sure once we do an end of the season episode, there'll be another game that kind of replaces all of these. But as of now, that's what I'm sticking with, and let's turn from from games to single performances and I've got three options for best performance of the season so far so we've got LeBron versus the Wizards that 57.11 rebounds seven assists three steals two block game in Washington I believe um it was on a Friday night on ESPN I believe um and the fact that the Wizards had trash talk before the game too it was just early in the season and the Wizards were you know good but not you know obviously not great and they were doing their usual trash talking like oh I think LeBron is scared to face us or something like that and it didn't work out for them. Um, and then we had Joel Embiid versus the Lakers. That 46-point, 15-rebound, uh, seven assists, 7 7-block game. Only 34 minutes. I mean, the moves he was putting on. He had that beautiful dream shake and one on Julius Randle. I mean, he looked unstoppable. That, that was the game where people were like, oh, my God, Joel Embiid is – arguably the best center when healthy Uh, and then James Harden's 56.13 assists game in just 35 minutes versus the Jazz on 19 of 25 shooting over 70% shooting from the field those are my three options for best performance of the game of the year so far of the season I should say and I'm torn I really want to pick LeBron because of one I think that when, uh, when the opposing team trash talks you know before the game and you go out on their floor and put up that performance that should like automatically win but at the same time you know Harden's efficiency and and, and putting up 56 points in 35 minutes with 13 assists is also insane against a Jazz team who at that time were a top five defense now they've fallen off but at that time in the season they were a top five defense and at the same time I just loved and Beat so much and the fact that you know whenever he has a great game he also trolls the crowd and the opposing team during it but some of those post moves i mean they were just thrown into the post every time and he either get fouled or he score and it was almost unstoppable for that whole fourth quarter of that lakers game i'm torn but ultimately i will pick lebron's performance because of the trash talk. The the Cavs and Wizards have always, always seem to have a really good game, no matter what. Like you know, they had a game a couple weeks ago, again in Washington, that was a really close game as well. And the Wizards didn't trash talk that time. But whenever they, whenever an opposing team trash talks is trash talks before a game, and you go into their floor and put up that performance and win, that's the performance of the season so far for me.
1: I actually agree with you completely. I remember that game having so much hype. You know, watching the jump and seeing richard coach interview Bradley Beal and John Wall, and they were saying, yeah, you know, we're the team that that people are scared of and we're on the rise and blah, blah, blah. And, and to have a game like that, not only a, a great game statistically, but that to me was more of a you – know, when he had um, a Bradley Beal or even an Otto Porter or a John Wall on switches, he would immediately take them down to the post and just go to work. When he had a, a, a Marshing or a Todd or a um, – him out and just hit some clutch jumpers and especially down the third quarter down the stretch because it was a good game he he completely took over and I don't think at the end of the game we were all looking at the words like yeah you should never play. do not come talk to King like oh yeah this is how you know it's going to be we had a tight game last year and I, actually last year's game sorry to, to, to go on a tangent here last year's game was pretty good remember that corner three run hit to, to tie the game up yeah that, that was that was crazy. But anyway, going back to this one, I have to go with this. I, I was mad that you brought Joel Embiid against my Lakers, man, because I watched that game and um, it was just to see him just thoroughly take us apart and, you know, the Lakers just kind of seemed like we didn't know what to do, and we didn't. So, that in itself was, was one thing. But also, his efficiency, like you said, was good. And that also brings me to I saw the first half of that game, and the dude was just scoring at Will. He could not be stopped. And You know, James Harden goes on streaks like that. He can get games where, you know, everything's going in. He's mad efficient. But you go to that efficiency while also sharing the ball to the tune of 13 assists in a game against a very stout defensive team at the time. uh, You get points for me on that. Even though I don't know individually matchup, you know, it's great, but I don't know if I knew that lockdown defender that was really stopping Harden. And so for me, on that note, I'm going to go LeBron. I mean. He's kind of the favorite of that one. 57-11-7 don't really mess up on his 10 game. You know, this was a lot of talk leading up to it. It really filled the hype, and you had a statement game like LeBron did, and he gets the W on 57 points, man. I, that, Yeah, that, that's the take for me. Yeah, I think
0: it's the trash-talking component from the Wizards that really makes me pick up on this game. I think think if he had done it against the Wizards and there was no hype or no trash-talk, it would obviously be a great performance. But the fact that we knew that the Wizards were trash-talking and he must have heard those comments and then came out and did that in Washington and to get a win, that's performance of the year for me, but... Let's look at the let's look at the step take a step back and look at the grand scheme of things and we're gonna go back to the off season. Think about some moves that some teams made and we're gonna do best and worst off season additions. Let's start with the positives for best off season addition. I've got a couple of uh you know individual cases and then I've got some other you know less notable players to name. But in terms of you know the notable you know off season additions, I've got Jimmy Butler, who you know during the, the start of the season the Wolves were you know around hovering around 500 they figured it out some nights other nights they didn't. Jimmy Butler was still, you know, uncomfortable. People were complaining he wasn't getting enough shot attempts. He wasn't being the go-to guy. They figured it out. Now it's really Jimmy Butler and Colin Towns are 1A and 1B, and Wiggins has taken that step back, and, and and rightly so. Jimmy Butler and Towns are better players offensively than than Wiggins is at this point. And, you know, Wiggins has to kind of now work on and, and figure out how to be a, th- a third option. But Jimmy Butler, now that he's that go-to guy, he has single-handedly won the Wolves multiple games down, down the stretch in crunch time. I mean, we had that overtime game against the Nuggets where he hit a couple shots. He was yelling profanities at the Nuggets. You know, they couldn't hang with him. He's... And deservedly so when he when he can talk trash when he's putting up the the stats and the performances he has been so crucial for the wolves over the past couple of weeks now that they've realized that he is their best player and the go to guy without him if they, if you took the Wol- butler off the wolves this season they're like maybe the eight seed like they're they, he's won them like like four or five games on his own and that that's what I think is a huge addition obviously Chris Paul I'm listening here Rockets are sliding they've lost five straight but if you consider the fact that when Chris Paul plays. They're still 15-2, and which is just incredible. And now that he's back, finally healthy, hopefully he can stay healthy, we'll finally get to see how good the Rockets can be. Because they were beating up on some pretty bad teams, but their schedule is getting harder now. More games back-to-back um, to, back to play the Warriors uh, next week. So we'll see how good the Rockets can be, but the fact that they're 15-2 and when he plays has to put Chris Paul on this list. And then you mentioned Tyreek Evans before when talking about the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies as a team have been injured and really disappointing, but Tyreek Evans is having a career year. 19.4 points, 5.1 rebounds, 4.4 assists per game. He's shooting 41% on threes, which I don't think anyone would have predicted going into the season. And then if you look at some of the advanced stats, he has career highs in all of these PER, box plus minus, win shares for 48 minutes, they're all career highs, and this is, what, like his ninth season in the league or something? So the fact that he's doing that out of out of nowhere and, you know, couldn't actually help the Grizzlies if they want to trade him and get some, you know, get an asset, they could probably potentially get a first-round pick for him, depending if he continues to play this well. Um, I think that that's really incredible, so I'm putting him up here for best offseason edition. And then some less notable players or p- players who signed for basically the minimum or, or you know, pretty cheap contracts. Luke Mbamute, he's been missing the past couple of weeks, and the Rockets' defense has completely fallen apart. So what he does for their defense is huge. Aaron Baines has been huge for the Celtics as a physical presence who can rebound the ball and kind of somewhat defend the rim. You know, more physical than Al Horford is, and you don't want to make Horford, you know, defend the rim at a physical level because that can wear him down. Raymond Felton, I think, has been good for the Thunder as just showing up that backup point guard position, which was so terrible for Oklahoma City last season. So he's been crucial, even though he plays a relatively small role and will never really shock you every night. And then CJ Miles. we talked about the Raptors changing their offensive philosophy. Well, they wanted to shoot more threes, and they went out and got a sharpshooter like CJ Miles, who isn't having a great season by any means, but he is a three-point threat. He'll jack him up. I mean, you give him the ball, he's going to shoot it. That's just how it is. Um, And the fact that he's allowed them to have more spacing on the floor alongside DeRozan. Lowry for stretches. The fact that he's a good shooter for a team that's looking to shoot more and have more ball movement and more floor spacing, and I just think that the, the contract's reasonable and it was a good move for the Raptors. They they realized what they had to do and how to change their offense, and they went out and got a player to do that who's filling the role pretty much as they would have expected. So, who do you have as the best offseason addition so far?
1: Well, first credit to you for assembling such a great list, man. That was <laughs> across the league. You had the big players. You had the big players. I, Shout out to that. That was a really good list. Some of these players, I was like, wait, I forgot all about them. So, credit to you for that. Um, On that note, for me, Jimmy Butler has been playing very well. And he was one of those, um, obviously, that we thought now the Wolves have their go-to player. Someone who could take charge down the stretch, you know, get you those Ws. You know, Jimmy gets buckets and, you know, in clutch time moments, I think the Wolves were one of the worst teams last year when it came to that. So, that was really proving himself and shown why he is who he is these last, what, I want to say we'll stretch the last 10 games. They're like like you said, four or five games where he's really just simply won it. But I have to say Tyreek Evans. And the reason I say that is because the Grizzlies got him on, on a really oh, a vet. It wasn't a vet minimum. I think it was close. It was a really like low, you know, um, low risk, high reward kind of contract. You know, taking a chance on Tyreek. If he can have choose left, could possibly you know, spice up their bench, spice up their starting you know, unit when he's in that sort of deal and he has just exploded and he's still only 28 he's played himself up to a place where he couldn't get him him. He can help the Grizzlies right now as you said because with the way he's playing and the fact that he's only 28 he could still be a part of a, of a team of a contender plans right now and the immediate future because he still has a little bit more of in his prime if this is it and we talked about this three weeks ago if I remember he's still shooting 41% on threes. I don't think we thought he'd be shooting this well from deep. into. I mean, we expect some aggression and sure, again, I say the same thing I said three weeks ago, that regression is sure to come, but um, right now, at this time, it, it hasn't happened yet and he really is the focal point of the group. He's been unstoppable scoring off the pick and roll. You know, he's really getting teammates involved. His outside shooting has really opened up his entire offensive um, arsenal because now it's not just going into the last different range. You for that pick or you sag off, he's knocking that three down. 41%, that's no joke at this point. And I don't know, the way he's been playing just entirely, career highs, as you said, across the board, and PR which is the whole I, I, I hate to give it to a team that has been just so awful because the Rinsley's been bad so it's like, it's almost damning with faint praise to say, hey, the best offseason addition to a team that's in the drags and the NBA, but I've just been so enamored with the play of Tyreek Evans that I have to put him up there. um Also, though, Raymond Felton is, is someone I would give a shout out to because, as you said, and I watched games that I would love to last year for the bench that they had. And you could see Russell Westbrook leave and just the offense fall apart because Norris Cole and Samash Christian, surprisingly, weren't cutting it. And so now you at least have Raymond I mean, Felton still opinion shoots a little too much for a backup point guard like I wish he could get players more involved just a bit but the bench stays pat with the other team's bench and in some cases even outperforms them and that I think is to the credit of a uh, um, lesser extent of Patrick Patterson that sort of deal so I'm gonna cut it short I'm gonna say Tyreek Evans just because the way he's been playing this year just amazing but of course Chris Paul's there as you said as I said you had a player. i I'm going to say Evans just no one saw that coming
0: yeah I mean I, I really want to give it to Evans I think that I'm gonna stick with. I'm gonna go with Jimmy Butler, and I think it's only because one. I think I mean we, and Butler's a better player than Evans. We just know that. Um, I know I love the I love the Tyreek Evans story. I love when a player comes out of nowhere to kind of just go off. Even later in his career, I think is just an incredible story. But the fact that Butler is winning these games for a team that is most likely going to be a fourth or fifth seed, these games are important for a team that's you know chasing playoff seeding and and really needs playoff seeding to kind of help himself down the stretch of the season. The fact that he's winning those kind of games for a team in playoff contention in top five seed contention in the West, I think is I'm going to give it to Butler because Evans is is great, but I mean, as you mentioned, you know, it's kind of hard to give it to the Grizzlies who are are really bad. He's putting up these numbers, but, you know, I don't want to say they're empty numbers because I think he's having a great season and and he can do it in crunch time. But if you look at the Grizzlies games and, you know, he's putting up these numbers, but they're playing, you know, teams, they're obviously losing a lot. Sometimes these are kind of empty stats. You know, I don't want to take anything away from Evans, but the fact that Butler's doing this in games that really matter for a team that's fighting for, you know, their playoff seating every night on a nightly basis because of how close the Thunder are and other teams like the Nuggets and everything like that chasing the Wolves in the in the seedings for the playoffs. I think that the fact that Butler's winning those kind of games in crunch time will allow me to give it to Butler. Um and, and Chris Paul's been great obviously when he's been playing, but it's kinda of hard to evaluate him yet because sure they're fifteen and two when he plays, but you know, those two losses he exited the Lakers game early, so he only played three quarters there. And then the game against the Wizards last night, he looked horrible. I don't even know if he was healthy or not. Maybe they rushed him back, but I don't want to evaluate him yet. I need to see more than, you know, 15, 15 wins against teams that were pretty mediocre if you if you go back and look at their schedule. So I'm going to give it a Butler with Tyreek Evans being second, um, but... You know, as I mentioned, there is a negative side to this this coin, and, and that's the worst offseason addition, and I came up with three, but maybe I missed a couple, but I think I've got these three, and I think that they're pretty up to, near the top of the list, so Carmelo Anthony, and really, it was, you know, now that recently OKC has kind of figured out, like, okay, Melo, like, Paul George and Westbrook are better players than you at this point it's clear you have to take this kind of third option and and for Melo's credit he has kind of accepted it as like a spot up shooter in the corner sometimes they'll go to him in the post for isos but you know a lot less recently than in the first two months and obviously you've seen the change their offense has improved. Their win—they've been winning more since that happened. But still, just for those first two months, just how bad he was—you know—for the offense in terms of his ISO, his poor shooting percentage and efficiency, and then of course defensively, he's not going to give you anything. Um, so I had Mello there, Ricky Rubio, who I think has flown under the radar about how bad he's been playing. He's shooting 38.7% from the field, a career low in assists per game. It's like I think it's like 4.5 per game, a career low in rebounds per game jazz offense who i know is you know they've had a lot of injuries and they don't have a lot of you know offensive go-to guys but their offense is, is really bad um and donovan mitchell's just completely taken over the reins of that offense and he is really their guy for the future now and, and, and you know the ricky rubio move it's really you know in question now I mean, obviously they didn't expect to get donovan mitchell and have mitchell be so good but rubio's playing terribly that's just straight up that's rubio's playing bad uh, and then george hill <laughs> You know, I, I really like George Hill, but I like George Hill on a contending team for the playoffs. I don't like him on a Kings team that's like, it, it should be in a rebuild, but then went out and signed Hill, Randolph, and Vince Carter. Carter doesn't play that much anymore, even though he just had that great game against the Cavs. Randolph actually has been really good for the Kings, but George Hill, I mean, they gave him a, a three-year deal, $20 million per season. I just don't get, I criticized the deal at the time. I mean, if you want to sign a veteran point guard, just sign him for a, maybe a one-year deal or something. I'm not sure why you have to give him an extra year or two at 20 million and he is just he's shooting well percentage wise but he's not really taking shots he doesn't really look comfortable he doesn't really look engaged he had that tweet a couple of weeks ago where he just had those mad face emojis i think george hill's up there as well i'll just say my winner right now is still as of right now i'm going to stick with carmelo because of the first two months, because the majority of the season, which is what we're evaluating, he w- he has just been bad for the Thunder. But I think that if you ask me in a couple of weeks, I think I go with Rubio or Hill because as Carmelo will continue to become a third option and be more comfortable in that role, I think he'll be less disappointing or less negative for the for the Thunder offense. But right now, because so f- for the majority of the season so far, he's been bad for them. I'm going to stick with Carmelo with with Rubio a close second.
1: Okay, I'm with you on that. I do have um. One play I'd like to add, and, and maybe just from my vantage point here, but uh, have we talked about Contavius Caldwell-Pope? Oh boy. I, I I feel I feel we have to add him there. I, I mean, yes, watching Lakers. You know, I don't know, especially with the way that Avery Bradley was playing with the Pistons, this first um first stretch of games, he was he was really solid. So see him really flourishing in Detroit. See him here. With hope and this is you know him playing fresh from jail aside, and you know having to monitor around his leg and all that extra accessories that, that don't really factor into his play, but we're you know one year $10 million dollar deal, and yet you're only averaging 11 points, horrible efficiency. Um, well, right now, in fact, he's shooting. It doesn't look. I mean, it looks kind of rough. It's 40% from the field, 33% from three. But players that he somehow looked worse when you're actually watching. It. You know, what I mean like you go at the end. You're like, oh wow, that wasn't that bad, but I mean he had 11 points um, He's averaging uh, one six and three point two rebounds. So he's only getting you points He's barely getting you that he had a, a horrible stretch yesterday Where I think he tried to throw the ball off the backboard and it kind of slipped out his hands in a major way because it hit the top of the like and and then, like Jersey, like his hands were the problem. Like, dude, you're the problem. I don't know. I'm a little fired up on that. But you know, we, we penciled him in as 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 a two guard that, hey, it's kinda of a of a um, earn it contract. We give you that You down a four year, I think eighty million dollar deal from Detroit. So we said, Hey, we'll give this to you, we'll see what happens. You know, if you play really well, you could be in our plans moving forward, you know, after we go get those two mass contract deal guys that LA been talking about besides the point. Anyway. But to, to see the way he's been playing, and, and this is not what I expected from someone. I mean, yeah, 18 million in, in this day and age isn't that big, considering all the contracts we have this year. So much more from Caldwell Pope, and I talked about it, how, hey, you know, he has a chance now to get a really good starting role and, and and be the shooter that we need. And he hasn't really been anything that we need so far, even defensively. He's he's okay. List for me. Um, I would put him next to Rubio. Because for me, Carmelo's been a rough addition only because of expectations. I think that's what really got us there. And like, oh, Carmelo, becomes Olympic Mellow, which is all anyone talked about, myself included, when he went to the Thunder. And Olympic Melo is, is just the Olympics. And given that Carmelo's age, Olympic Melo's probably done. So I think having come to relationship or relationship when I met, We've automatically penciled in Melo as, as rather disappointing and he has been pretty bad But Rubio to me never made sense when they first made the deal and as he's played more and just as you can see having To his career I think it, it shows even more that that wasn't a good match I don't know offensive scheme wise um the fact that his inability to shoot the ball has come back to get him in major way You know with the Jazz offense, is the fact that, you know Rubio I don't know. I, I guess they thought that it would work. I didn't see it working then. I didn't see how it could. I mean, as you can see by the play now, he seems out of sorts at times. And there have been times when when Rubio's in, the Jazz offense just drags in such in such a sad way. And Rubio's had some okay games, but for me, he's one of the worst offseason additions because it didn't make sense at the time. It makes sense. for me, Carmelo at least has the opportunity. Of accepting a minor role and maybe becoming a player that we hope to be you know
0: yeah and when for almost all these categories you know expectations come into play. So when we were talking about most disappointing team, I picked the Hornets because I had higher expectations for them than the Grizzlies. Obviously, most people had higher expectations for Carmelo, though some people did doubt that it would work. (laughs) But most people had high expectations for Carmelo. You know, Olympic Melo, third option is a great, you know, spot-up shooter, potential ISO score when the offense is bogging down, blah, blah, blah. So expectations come into play. I did not... Like the George Hill contract, I didn't think he'd be you know, I didn't think he would do great for the Kings. He's obviously been, you know, pretty bad and kind of disappointing there as well. I didn't I was okay on the Rubio trade. I, I just kind of brushed it off. I was like, uh, eh, like, that's okay. It's a nice move. Um and I had more expectations for Melo, so I also think that just the stubbornness that he showed in the first month and a half or two months of him in his mind still thinking that he's the number one guy when it comes to crunch time, like I need this ISO, it's me. When he has Russell Westbrook and Paul George next to him, was just kind of just was frustrating and i'm not even a thunder fan i think it was just frustrating to see how his mindset (laughs) was and and thankfully it's changed and someone or maybe multiple people multiple people have gotten to his head and say you know come on Carmelo, like this team will win more if you just take a little bit of a step back so i think again as i mentioned before if you ask me in a couple weeks i'll probably choose rubio or hill or maybe even caldwell pope who's been disappointing um but right now i'm sticking with carmelo just because of. The majority of the season so far, which is what we're going off of for this season in review, he's been kind of disappointing and kind of stagnating the thunder. Um, but the next category, I think, is probably the most interesting that we're going to do. And it's it's storyline of the season so far. And I've got three, what I think are key storylines of this season so far. So the first one is, is trades that weren't as bad as we thought. So, you know, we, we obviously had two key trades in the off season. Uh, the Melo trade was—I don't think it was as key as these two because Melo's not in his prime. Blah blah blah. It was late in the in the summer. Um, actually, it was in September. Um, so we had the obvious. We had the Pacers done their trade for Paul George. And when it, when it happened, people were laughing. Oh, Depot and Sabonis for Paul George—that's robbery by the Thunder. Well, here we are. Oladipo is going to be an All Star. Sabonis looks extremely comfortable in a different role. And the Pacers <laughs> have the seventh-ranked offense. I know they're not an elite team because their defense is bad and they're only like two games over five hundred. But just the rise of Oladipo as an All Star and Sabonis being a, a really good complementary piece has made that trade look, in my opinion, pretty even. Uh, I mean, I think it's a, a if you if you did the trade again for Oladipo at this level and Sabonis for Paul George, honestly, I think you'd say the Pacers might actually have, have maybe won the trade, maybe. But if if at best it's even, it's even trade right now. And then we go to the Bulls trade with the Timberwolves for obviously for Jimmy Butler, who we talked about, who I think is the offseason addition. addition. Um, And we obviously criticize the Bulls. How could they, you know, Chris Dunn showed nothing in his rookie year for the Wolves. Zach Levine is a good offensive player. He's injured and not good defensively. That's a problem. And the Wolves actually traded the, I mean, the Bulls actually traded uh, the 16th pick to the Wolves in that trade somehow. Um, But really, you look at Chris Dunn. He's been extremely solid for the Bulls. Dare I I say, pretty good for the Bulls as their point guard, starting point guard recently. And they don't even have Zach Levine yet. And we mentioned them early in the first segment about surprising teams where they're going on an incredible winning streak. Um, So I think that, you know, that trade, I I wouldn't say that trade's even, but it's definitely looking a lot better than we thought when it originally happened on draft night. Um, The second storyline I have are the rookies. I mean, we talked about it before, Jason Tatum leading, um, being a key piece for the Celtics, averaging around 15 points a game. Donovan Mitchell, I mentioned, has been exploding over the past month or so, taking over the reins of that Jazz offense. And of course, we haven't even mentioned Ben Simmons, who... I think for most people still front runner for rookie of the year. I'm um, just an, a unique player, a 6'10 point guard who guards, you know, power forwards and wings on the other end of the floor is incredibly rare and you know the Sixers have been fairly disappointing and Simmons has kind of hit a rookie wall recently but just his, his first two months were incredible for a rookie. But then we have to mention the other rookies, like O.G. Ananobi, who I mentioned, Laurie Markkinen, Dennis Smith Jr., who had his first triple-double last night in a win against the Pelicans, Frank Nielakina, who looks like to be a, an elite defensive point guard, Jordan Bell in the second-round pick has looked extremely good for the Warriors. All of those players have shown serious flashes as well, so when you combine them with the other top-leading rookie of the year players, you have got the rookies balling probably better than most of us expected coming into the season. And then finally the stars on their new teams obviously the summer was filled with all-stars and all nba players being traded or signing with different teams some got off to rough starts like the thunder others clicked early like the rockets and celtics and then even other teams you know just got by figuring it out you know the wolves were hovering around 500 then they said oh wait jimmy butler's on our team he's incredible let's make him the number one option let's go on a, a serious winning streak here and let's kind of establish ourselves as a top four or top five team in the west so those are my three storyline of the year candidates Maybe you have another storyline, or not. But either way, which do you? What do you think is the storyline of this two thousand and seventeen eighteen season so far? About three months in.
1: So I really did like this category here. It really showed um, some interesting aspects of the season from trades and everything. I'm more with you on the trades that weren't as bad as we thought. You know, this off season was one of the most exciting that I remember ever witnessing. Um, and having having you know, just the privilege of seeing from afar, all these trades, you know, um, the Kyrie going to all, you know, the Oladipo, Paul George, heist that we thought the Chris Dunn, Levine, you know, Jimmy Butler swap, everything that you mentioned. I mean, we had such extreme opinions and I'm not saying you, but most um, mainstream media at large. Oh my God. As you said, the Pacers um, just got, toasted in this trade. What were they thinking? You know, people want to Kevin Pritchard's head. And then with the the Wolves trade too, we're like Um, Levine has been okay, but he's even injured. So that's they made away with Grand Larson there for um, Minnesota. And then, you know, even even the Celtics trade. People were you know, people had their feelings they're a lot made this trade for an all star point guard for you know a really good solid defensive player in Jay Crowder, an injured point guard who's going to be a free agent, Isaiah Thomas, and a first pick from the Nets that might not even be that good because the Nets were projected to be better than they are, and they have been to a, a certain extent playing better than you know they were hoped to have played. But to see how the trades have worked out now, and it's, it's, it's been one of those things where it seems like it's kind of worked out for every team. In, in 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 a certain um, manner of speak, obviously the Thunder have been disappointing up to this point. Now, even though it's kind of right in the sh- right in the sh- I'm just And what I think uh, the second worst shooting year of his career. But he, he's getting it together. He was talking about he had some tightness in his arm, and that's been kind of impacting him. But the Thunder have been okay. Oladipo's obviously flourished. in the... Definitely is going to be an All-Star, but also most improved player, number one candidate. Sabonis so has just looked amazing. So on that trade, it looks almost a wash, depending on like what side you're on, because both teams have it from trade. With the Wolves and the Bulls, um, the Wolves obviously got the the closer they were looking for, the Jimmy G buckets, the kind of guy to take over down the stretch. But the Bulls have, I you mean, know, the Bulls have Chris Dunn. Wait, you know, shows us maybe not to write off. Rookie so fast, because yes, he had just a horrid rookie season last year, but he's been very solid for the Bulls, and when Levine returns, they're going to look even better, you know? Levine, has with his, his injury, with but when he comes back, you know, the Bulls all of a sudden have some real young talent that could really become something, and, you know, just, what, this summer, we're all looking, I'm like, oh, injured, um won't reach potential, can't shoot, you know, we're right off, so for, for both of those teams, the trade looks kind of like a wash and then even with um, Cleveland Boston Cleveland's been playing well third in the East Boston has been playing well number one in the East Um, Cleveland hasn't even gotten back but you know he's healthy he won't be playing in this in their next game tonight against the Jazz but he is um, on the mend completely and, and able to play in one of these games possibly starting next week and so even though he's had a down year for him Cleveland's been able to integrate him and still you know be in the top five in the Eastern Conference while Boston's also flourished with Kyrie, even enduring all those injuries. So I think we've had, um, at least in these first three months or so, uh, a revelation where we go, hey, you know, all these trades happened, we took extreme opinions, but maybe it's okay to wait a little bit and see how they turn. All these teams now, they've kind of gotten what they've asked for in the player that they've gotten. You know, some down years and all aside, every team's kind of made out with what they were hoping some better than expected with the Pacers and O D D. Um, some expected. to an extent Every team seems have been made out fine with all these crazy offseason additions And so I think it's probably one of the storylines as you said not Only the trades weren't as bad as we thought but maybe the importance of little evaluate, you know who goes where and how they'll fit because we think we know but we may never know And in this case so far, it's been working out pretty well for most teams involved in my opinion
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that this comes down to two things. And you can kind of combine two of these storylines with stars on new teams with the trades that they were, or some of the stars were were in the trades that they were involved with. But I agree. trades of The trades not being as bad as we thought, I think, is the storyline of the season. And I think it's key that you bring up the point of waiting to evaluate trades. Obviously, people want to get their articles out. They want to get their tweets out. Oh, this team got robbed, or this is a great trade for both teams, or this trade is, is incredible for this team, and this team, you know, is disappointing trade return for this player blah 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 but it's 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 hard to evaluate things obviously in an off season right because that that old Depot trade happened the first night of free agency the dunn uh butler trade happened on draft night so we hadn't we didn't see them play basketball for another couple of months and then they get on the floor and old Depot's an all star and Dunn looks really solid and sabonis looks comfortable in a different role blah 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 And we're like oh wait these trades weren't as bad maybe the GMs actually saw something that we didn't or I don't know if they expected Old Depot to become an all star but <laughs> I mean maybe. They thought, you know, oh we we think that LDP is a really good building block, which she has turned out to be. Um so I think it the two things is that one, I love when trades you know the evaluation of trades change after you know players improve a lot i love when players come out of nowhere like oladipo and like chris dunn have done i love when they come out of nowhere to really step it up their games and become you know jump to that next level tier of players Um, but then i love when trades we can reevaluate them a couple months after they happen and see where people got their evaluations wrong maybe some people thought it was a decent trade for the pacers or a decent trade for the bulls but i agree Trades that weren't as bad as we thought. Lumped in with the new stars on their new teams and how they fared so far, I think, are the storylines of the season. And I think we can round this episode out with two really quick categories. Hero of the season so far and then heel of the season so far. And uh, I think we're both going to agree. Uh, hero of the season is LeBron. He's 33. Just It's actually his birthday today while we're recording, so that's pretty fitting. Um, wow. LeBron... <laughs> just turned 33 today and he is right up there for MVP right now he's putting up insane numbers I mean he's putting up career highs in certain categories like assists and rebounds per game great shooting Um, he's really carried this Cavs team that has a terrible defense which was partly for him to blame early in the season because he wasn't trying that much (laughs) Um, but he's carrying them offensively on certain nights they're just defense is bad they're not healthy you know now I'm going to I'm very interested to see what happens when Isaiah Thomas comes back we'll see how he fits in and maybe LeBron takes a step back to kind of Rest himself for the playoffs, or maybe he goes for MVP because he thinks that this is the year he can win another MVP. Um, But just the fact that he's doing it at this age, setting career highs nightly basis, dunks—he's dunking like he's 26. I think he has to be the hero of the season so far, and obviously the heel of the season so far is Kevin Durant. I mean, it's—he still makes these comments, you know, these questionable comments about you know his, his kind of just people the way people evaluate him what his careers turned out like he said something i think recently was like it was his formula or something like that you know joining the warriors you know was his formula i don't know something i don't remember the comments i kind of blocked them out at this point because they're just so ridiculous every now and then Uh, (laughs) but the fact that he's still chirping a lot and still finds the need to defend himself publicly i mean i think it's just is he's the heel of the season and he joined the warriors so he'll always be a heel anyways but this season he's continuing the chirping and the comments and blah 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 and that comment he had oh this is the comment that bothered me against that christmas day game where there were those fouls that the the refs admitted that they missed and Kevin, yes. kevin someone asked him about yes. the fouls and kevin durant said oh like lebron's big like he he shouldn't have to get the he shouldn't have to get the foul call <laughs> he's a big player what is that that's ridiculous that's just a ridiculous Thank comment you. um Thank so you. for that reason kevin durant healed the season that's just i mean i i'm assuming you agree with me but if not please
1: <laughs> i'm right. I have time in there yeah no I, I agree with you totally on both accounts for lebron to be averaging at, at, at 33 you know 15 season for his career he's averaging 27.2 points point 7 assists. and this year yeah like i said year 15 on his right now 33rd birthday 27.8 points 8.2 rebounds 9.3 assists just just steady just remarkable, continues to play well, you, you just deny the greatness that is LeBron James and the sustained excellence, and as his career has played out and he's gotten even um farther along, you can kind of see where he kind of went from a heel in his Miami to Cleveland to just where he is now, where it's like legendary, this kind of performance that we're getting night after night, year after year, you know, of, of sustained excellence. So, I'm with you on that, and also Kevin Durant, that, that annoyed me, man. When I saw he, he big uh, Kevin, you you're living at the line trying to slash in because you're so skinny. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Like, it's a, the double standard that you have as a star NBA player when in that same token you go and say, oh, I've passed uh, on when it came to that walk-up three-pointer in game three of last year's finals. Then you backtrack and say, okay, I didn't surpass him, but, like, I'm in the same room as him. Like, get out of your head. Get out of your legacy and just play the game. And the last thing I would like, I really He's really taking up that rim protector role, I think, a bit too seriously. The whole bad guy role is kind of mixed the two, if you will. And 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 he's a great defensive player. I'm not. I'm not going to say he is, but he is no Draymond Green. I, I he hacks so much. He gets away with it. But sometimes, like when you see him react, he's like, "Oh my God, how was that a foul, dude? You are just jumping for blocks all the time. You get some very impressive blocks. Yes, you do. But you also get away with so much murder down there." saw the stuff he did on LeBron like dude that's that's not even that's 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 fouls and the fact that oh he's too big so I have license to foul him are you serious you know what I mean like you, you just can't be like that so for me KD uh, it's annoying maybe he'll have a career like LeBron's where as he gets older and continues to play well and shats up a little bit we can look back and overlook some of these statements but he is clearly the heel this season I mean he was the last season he's the heel KD man twitter fingers
0: <laughs> um yeah i can we're completely in agreeance of these categories um all right so that'll wrap it up for this uh 2017 2018 season in review end of the year special episode um it's been a great couple of months of the season so far. I'm very interested to see how the second, quote unquote, second half of the season, even though we're not really halfway through in terms of games played, will turn out. We'll probably do one at the end of the year and see how all these categories change, or maybe they say the same. Um, but regardless, um, we should be back later next week with another episode. Um, and then, you know, maybe the, the weekend after that, we'll get back to our segmented style episode. But I hope everyone has a, a happy and healthy new year, has a great. Uh, week or so of watching NBA basketball. Um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric NBA. You can check out our website at 94FeetReport.com, and then you can follow us on Twitter at the 94FeetReport. Remember to check out Draft with promo code 94FEET in all caps to get free entry into a paid contest with your first deposit. Um, Corbin, why don't you throw out where people can follow you?
1: All right. I right. you know, stuff like that. So definitely up there.
0: All right, guys, have a great week of watching NBA basketball. Have a great and happy, healthy new year. Take care, guys.